Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This episode is powered by denmeditation.com. Though meditation is the primary focus, the bigger goal is for people to understand and love themselves, thus creating more harmony in the community at large. To find out more about Den Meditation's teacher training programs, retreats, and all things Den Meditation, go to denmeditation.com. Welcome to Den Talks Podcast. This is Tal, your host and the founder of Den Meditation. You guys are in for a treat. I have Julie Ryan on the episode today. She's a businesswoman, an inventor, an author. She is also a psychic and a medical intuitive. And she, as she likes to describe, has like a whole buffet of psychic abilities. But when you talk to her, this is one of the things I love about her. She feels like you're talking to like your best friend's mom. She's just the boss. She's just amazing and really powerful and makes everything super accessible and normalizes all of it. But what's incredible is we talk a lot about the death process and why I I think it's important is because I feel like we hold a lot of fear around death, whether we admit it or not. And that holds us back in life. It holds us back in making certain choices. And so let this be the episode that helps free you in a way you were never expecting because all of a sudden you understand death in such a beautiful, comforting, loving way. She walks you through everything that happens, but we really do slow down and dive into what happens when you die and what it looks like exactly. She has seen it over a thousand times and there's kind of a ritual and a ceremony that happens around every single person, no matter who, what, when, and where. We will be giving away a discount code because lucky for you guys, right around the corner on March 4th, we have a virtual workshop with Julie. You're not going to want to miss this, having her one-on-one to be able to ask questions. She is so incredible. So stay tuned in the middle. We will give you a discount so you can go to this workshop on March 4th from anywhere in the world. And it's going to be noon Pacific Standard Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So we will see you there. I'm so excited to introduce you to our community and have everyone get to know you because you're amazing and they all need to know what you do because you can help so many people. It's unbelievable. So, no, of course, of course. And thank you for being here. I start every interview with two, two questions. It's really one question, but if you can give me a word that describes you five years ago and a word that describes you today, what would the words be? Mm, the word would have been ambitious five years ago, and now it's uh, accepting. Hmm. Two A words. 
I love that. Two A words. That's so you feel like you were more ambitious. Now, do you feel like it's because you got to where you wanted to get to or because something in you has shifted? I think that I've been ambitious my whole life because I'm a crazy entrepreneur who's founded nine companies in five industries and I'm an inventor of surgical devices and stuff like that. And when I started doing this woo-woo stuff, I'm a businesswoman who learned how to do woo-woo and I'm a buffet of psychicness. That's what I tell people. <laughs> you and, are. And I, I, for the first time in my life, Tal, am doing something without a business plan. I have no idea where this is going. I'm going where I'm led. I, I, people say, well, how did you put this together? I don't, I don't know. It just things showed up and I, if they felt interesting, I followed them. And it's the first thing in my, God, what, 40 year career that I've done without a master plan. I'm just following where I'm led and I'm having a ball. It is <laughs> so much fun. So it's totally like different from anything I've ever done before. Does it take some of the stress off or does it add stress? Like when you really think about if you, do, if you acted this way, you know, 15 years ago, how would it, how would you have been able to implement that into where you were and, or could you not have? I don't think I could have, because I think that at this stage of, of the game, I trust more that it, and I did before too. I have probably for the last 30 years, I just trust the people that I need to show up, show up right when I need them and all of that. But I think at this point I've really integrated into, it's just who I am and I'm way calmer and I don't get upset about stuff. And it's, it's a lot of effort and it's a lot of work, but it's fun. Most of it, you know, I mean, answering so emails and that kind of stuff is like, <laughs> operational stuff still have to do, but being able to talk with people all over the world and be a little teeny, teeny, teeny part of their life along their journey is, is just an honor and a delight and just a blast. Well, one of the things that I find so fascinating about you, which you've already said, is you are inherently a businesswoman. Right. Like you said, you started a lot of companies, you were an entrepreneur, you were just go, 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 very right-brained in some ways. Like, here's a goal. Not only do I see it, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to crush it. And yet here you are now, like you said, a buffet of psychic abilities where, you know, you're a medical medium. You can, you know, see how people depart. You actually can, you know, see all the angels. You can telepathically talk to people. You can call in guides. I mean, you can do it all and really, really well with so many specific details. And we'll get into that more as we go through the podcast. But talk a little bit about how you got here, because I do find it so fascinating that it's like you weren't playing. It wasn't like you were in your 20s and you were like, ooh, I'm just, I feel all of this stuff. You were just as like buttoned up with, I mean, you know, corporate E in some ways that you could be. Well, yeah, I, I was part, I graduated from college in 81, 1981. And that's when the big companies had quotas to hire women. So I was <laughs> part of that wave of women as they came on. And I started my first company at 25 because I knew I just didn't really fit into that. It was too many rules. You had to do it this way. You had to do it that way. Even if the way that I was doing it was better and was getting better results, I was getting in trouble because I wasn't doing it the way that they said I had to do it. 
like my trunk needed to be a certain organized way. Well, that didn't make sense to me. Who cares what my trunk is? Look at what my sales numbers are. Exactly. Why do you care? Well, because that's our policy. Well, that didn't make any sense to me. So I think the entrepreneurial- women running the show yet. Right, exactly. And I think that the women who did crush the glass ceiling is what they used to call it, were women who were entrepreneurs that could do their own thing. So I was led very early on and I followed that and I didn't know where that was coming from. Now I know more, now I know it's spirit. But people would say, well, how do you have companies in different industries? How does that work? Because most people are used to you're in an industry and you stay in that industry your whole career, at least it used to be. And I'd say, well, it's something that's interesting to me and I see an opportunity and so I'm running with it. And so that's, that's how all of that worked. How I got into woo-woo, I laugh. I say, I didn't have dead people chasing me since childhood. Or if I did, exactly, I wouldn't have known and what I, to trust do Trust me, I've that. had those people on here. So it's like, that's why I'm yeah. saying this is a very different yeah. way in. And I, a girlfriend 30 some years ago gave me a book called Hands of, uh, or called uh, Anatomy of the Spirit by Bart, by Carolyn Mace. Mm-hmm. And she called herself a medical intuitive. I thought, what the heck is that? I'd never heard that term before. And I was in the hospital supply industry. That was my main, that was my main theme. I had companies in other industries too, but my main focus was always the helping people heal from the, the product side of the equation. What can we come up with to help the surgeons help people heal and help the staff? And so when I heard medical intuitive, it, piqued my interest. And I went to the bookstore back then tell, because we didn't have the internet yet. I know. It's so funny. I went to a Barnes and Noble to see if there was anything else out there that would be applicable. And I found this book called Hands of Light by Barbara Brennan, who's a former NASA physicist who parlayed very complex quantum physics principles into understandable English for the non-scientific mind. That would be me. And I read her book and I wanted to know more. So I called her school and I said, do you have anybody in this area teaching this stuff? And they said, yeah, as a matter of fact, we do. So I studied with this woman for six years and she's still my mentor now. I I talk Mm. to her usually once a month. She's in her eighties now. And, and I, that's how it all started. And I paid the equivalent of, I did this for six years while I was running companies and being a mom and being a wife and you know, all the regular stuff that we do in life. And people said to me, well, why are you doing this? And I said, I don't know. It's just interesting. Well, what are you going to do with it? I don't know. I may not ever do anything with it. Now, fast forward 30 years, here I am. And I, over these 30 years, yeah, developed all these skills and, and they're all learned. Everybody has the ability we all come in with the hardware. It's just a matter of developing and enhancing it. And that's what I teach people to do around the world with my classes. But what I want to go on that, two things, little side note, same book for me in my 20s. I went to a bookstore and that's what I came out with. And, and I Which still, one? The Hands Barbara of Brennan's Light? Hands of Light. Yeah. And, and I She still, just died. Did you know uh, that? She just passed. I, I did not know Apparently that. she had Alzheimer's for the past 10 years oh. or so and really didn't know anybody. And, That's brutal. Yeah. 
She just but passed. it's which I have a question about that too. But I found it fascinating when you said that because I was like, that's so funny that when I look back, I was an assistant sitting on a desk in entertainment, and randomly I was like, this seems interesting, and it was the yeah. same thing. And I at one point too, I was like, should I call that school? Should I this? And then I it didn't work with my life. But it's funny that clearly the same thing was happening to me, where it's like, here, take this and grow but on the other note when we were being led darling i, I live know. in the deep south i live in alabama they would say you were being led <laughs> you're being led i love you're that led. so when you as you say we can all develop these skills one of the things i love that as you were in this class and I, I, you were so honest about it you're like eh, i didn't feel much of anything like mm, like you're very honest because as many people here know who go to these workshops or or te or go to um classes or even I'm teaching a course right now. And I, I tell people like, look, some people are going to come out of this meditation are going to be like, oh my God, I saw the dragon flying that took me to the egg, which then I was born into this whole magical creature, which is amazing. And that's an amazing experience. And someone else may be like, I felt nothing. Like I saw nothing. I felt nothing. And it doesn't, I don't want you to um, take yourself out of the experience feeling like you're not quote unquote there, or you don't have quote unquote the stuff. So I love that you were very honest in your book about that, that you didn't always like feel stuff. But what I find fascinating is as you went through this and things started coming into you more, you start seeing colors is all of a sudden you started developing kind of this medical medium side, which has been a huge part of what you do. And yes, a lot of psychics can say, oh, I feel this in you, or I see a mass blank, but you are like unbelievably specific with what you do and then how you can help heal. Do you find now that you've taught all these students and you've been through it yourself and you had Susan, your mentor, um, do you find that within the psychic realm and people develop it, we are all given kind of a different like badge, like this is your badge, like really this is, we all have this skill set, but this is what we want you to do with it. This is your special area. Does that make sense? Like, do we all yeah. have a different version of, you know, like, you know what I mean? Well, I think in the woo-woo world, like in pretty much everything, different techniques and different areas are siloed. Like think of the medical business, you know, you got the cardiologist and the gynecologist and the whatever colleges, and it's <laughs> all segregated. And it is in woo-woo as well. I find that. And of course, I'm an entrepreneur. So that didn't make sense to me because what I found is once I connected with spirit, I could do all of it. And that's what I teach. And, and how it comes in for us is predicated on how we learn. I'm a visual learner. So I get information telepathically, visually, very strongly. If I meet you at a party, I'm going to remember your face. I'm not going to remember your name unless Same. I see it because I'm a visual learner. So I've come up with this trick where, where I will envision your name in my brain. Like mm. you've got a name badge on to help me remember your name. And I'll, exactly. And I'll certainly remember you and I'll remember what we talked about, but I'm not going to remember your name most of the time before, before I came up with this little trick. And I find that people get frustrated with their telepathic abilities, which again, are all innate. We all come in with them because let's say they're an auditory learner, or a kinesthetic learner, and they're expecting to see things telepathically. Well, that's not the easiest way for a spirit to communicate with you. Spirit's going to communicate with you in the easiest way possible. And that is going to be how you learn. 
And I'm really persnickety about let's help people bring in their abilities in the easiest way and in the way that's going to best work for them. If you, if you're left-handed and back in the day that teachers would get you to, to write right-handed, why? Who cares? It doesn't matter. And this is the same thing. So I find that people will stall in their intuitive abilities because they have an expectation of how it's going to work and how it's supposed to work for mm. them. And there are lots of rules and regulations. There are no rules and regulations. You raise your vibrational level. It takes a nanosecond. You don't need to meditate for four hours first and stand on your left leg and raise your right hand and twirl around four times before spirit's going <laughs> to communicate with you. If only I mean, there was a magical formula. Really? But <laughs> But it's just you turn it on and off in an instant. And that's that's what I teach and what I do. I don't walk around scanning people. I just well, live a regular life. When it first started happening, when you finally kind of opened up this world for yourself, did were there times where you were like, oh, shit, like you had to actually learn how to kind of, sorry, I know you're from the South. I have a dirty East Coast I grew mouth. up in Ohio and lived in L.A. for a long time. Yeah, I don't care. So... It, was there a time where it was more overwhelming and you actually had to learn to shut it off or no, because you came more from like this different way. It wasn't, you always had a way of kind of being like, nope, this is when I'm turning it on. This is when I'm turning it off. It's yeah, it's turning it on and off. And it's where my thoughts are because our heads are like big satellite dishes and they receive and transmit frequencies. It's like you're turning your TV remote to a certain satellite channel or, or cable channel or whatever. There's lots of stuff being broadcast. Where Where's your focus? That's the show you're watching. So no, it was never that way for me. As, as a matter of fact, fun story, I was in Austin, Texas, and I was at a historic hotel and getting a tour of it. And it was founded by this Confederate colonel, and he made his millions selling cattle to the Confederate army and out of Texas. And I'm walking through this hotel, getting a tour from the little bellman and, and I smell cigar smoke. And I thought there is no way that this hotel is going to let somebody smoke in here, let alone a cigar. So I, that was a cue to me to turn on my radar and I did instantly. And so here's the spirit of the founder of the hotel walking through the foyer of the ballrooms. And I thought, Ooh, wonder what else I could see. And so it was on at that point, but what else did you I'll, I'll get you know, like you'll, you'll get a thought of I'm coming up to an intersection. I need to turn on my turn signal on my car. Same thing. That's how it comes in. If, if I'm being led to scan something, but most of the time I, I just do regular stuff. I make dinner. I you know, fold laundry. <laughs> I just what a regular you, life. Well, yes, except you do some amazing things. Like I really love the story. Um, when your friend was like, thought his office might have some spirits and you went in and not only was it some, I mean, you should tell the story. Was it basically, was the building where old train tracks were? The building, the story is a friend of mine, I was dropping something off at his office. It was after hours. And he said, come walk with me and lock up. And he kept telling me it was haunted. And he, and this guy's a retired uh, Air Force Colonel. I mean, he's a <laughs> linear thinker. Right. But interested in woo-woo stuff too. And so we walked downstairs and he said, nobody else is in the building. And he said, uh, what are you picking up? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, are there any spirits down here? I said, I don't know. I don't have my radar on. He goes, well, turn it on. <laughs> so I did. 
oh my gosh, all these spirits were in there and there had been a train wreck and there were people that were injured and the train wreck. Some people had been killed. There were people in turn of the 20th century period dress, like late 1800s. And women had these skirts on down to the floor. Some of them were dressed in their Sunday best. Some looked like they had overalls on and they, they had shovels and picks and stuff like that. And they were trying to rescue people out of the debris. And the next thing I know, we're in this makeshift morgue in this hallway. And there were bodies with white sheets on them laying up against the wall with their head against the wall and feet out on both sides of the wall. And I thought, oh my goodness. And I was able to communicate with the spirits. Well, we found out there had been a train wreck and people had died. And I, I saw all these bodies and I found, we found historical documentation that there had been a train wreck in that period close by, but I didn't see, it said, I think it said only 12 people had died perhaps, but I saw way more than 12 bodies. We'll come to find out it was a TB morgue. It was a makeshift morgue because it was during the TB epidemic where people would go to work and they'd come home and their wife would be dead. Men would go to work and they'd come home and their wife would be dead. And so they were bringing the fatalities from the train crash to this makeshift morgue. That's what's so fun about all of this. Oftentimes, Tao, we can find historic documentation that corroborates with what we're getting from spirit. And that makes it really fun. And then the other thing that was fun was there were a bunch of stowaway slaves on the train and they were there. And the stories in the book, there's a whole chapter to it. And and the slaves had been there for a long time. And they were telling my friend who he could trust and who he couldn't trust in the company, which was been listening. They knew they knew what was going on. Yeah. It's fascinating. So talk to me, how do spirits get stuck like that? Like, cause a lot of talk about how they get stuck and how they didn't real, did they, did they just miss the, just talk a little bit about how that kind of time period, that scene of trauma was kind of stuck in this position. I don't think they were stuck. I think that my experience in doing this with thousands of people over the years, when they pass, everybody goes to heaven. There was a movie out when I was a kid called All Dogs Go to Heaven. Mm -hmm. People go to heaven too. People are afraid. There's so much information out there about the afterlife and about near-death experiences. Not a lot about what happens when somebody's dying. And that's what my book's about. But what I find is that everybody goes to heaven. Everybody's escorted to heaven by angels. And then there are some spirits that want to be kind of in a middle ground. They want to be in spirit form, but they want to experience and explore things in the human arena more. And so they're choosing to do that. And then I can help them just go ahead and, you know, have you learned everything you need in this kind of in-between place? I think that's where the limbo and the purgatory and those kind of terms have come from. But you're saying it's a choice. It's a choice. It's It's what the spirit wants to explore and experience. Yeah. Is it like a, is it someone that's reluctant to pass or is it just, they pass and then they're like, I just wasn't done. There's more I need to do. Well, I think they pass and they say, oh, I want to explore this. 
whether, whether it's something that they didn't get to explore in their life when they were attached to a body or whether they think of it when they're in heaven and they think, oh, I want to go back to that same time period in that same place. And I want to look at this situation from this perspective as a spirit where nobody can see me or most people can't. And I can experience and explore what it's like in that from that perspective. That's my take on it. Who knows whether it's accurate or not. We'll find out when we're in spirit, right? <laughs> so one of the things I thought was so beautiful, I mean, you have a few books and the angelic attendance, which as you just mentioned, is probably maybe one of the only descriptions of actually how someone passes and what that process looks like as far as the combination of the physical versus spiritual and like the transition into it. Um, and I think it's such an amazing gift to everybody because like you said, there's a lot of fear around dying. Like we are taught kind of, you know, through religion, through whatever, as we're raised, there's just so much fear in like the end and what it is versus kind of this idea of a cycle. And it's just another part of it. And what I think you do so beautifully in this book is by explaining what you saw and how that began for you is also such an amazing moment, but how you have now witnessed and been part of watching the transition for so many people, you see that there's actually like a ceremony for lack of a better word, or, you know, a way that it happens exactly for every single person, which obviously a little nuance here and there, because everyone's their own individual. Um, and I, I think that's an incredible gift and everyone here should go and grab the book because I think it will if you have someone going through a tough time that might be passing or for your own mortality and how you can live, I feel like without that being a fear that controls your life, um, it's a, a huge gift. But what I, I, I love how you talk about is, um, you know, there's all these angels. I have a few questions around this. There's all these angels that kind of come and how your spirit pulls out. And it's a lot of what I teach too, um, through a shamanic perspective of how your kind of spirit goes up and into the bubble and hovers um, before it fully goes. And in the meantime, there's all these attendants that kind of come like a welcome, a welcoming committee, a transition committee, like moving into the new dorms. <laughs> like, you know, they come um, and it's anyone from angels, your guardian angels to your parents that are kind of at your feet and, you know, friends and family and pets, which I love that. Cause I kept like, by the way, it's so beautiful. My daughter was in bed with me this morning and I was telling her about it because we just lost another dog. We've had a lot of dogs. And I was like, oh, oh but guess what? When you pat, like Chewie will be there and blah, blah, blah. It was this whole beautiful conversation about it. Um, but you do talk about how all these kind of people come in. So I have a few questions. A, you say how the parents are always kind of at your feet unless they haven't passed yet. And then it's the next you know, generation and the next generation until you get to the ones that have passed and are you know, on the other side. And they're at your feet, the feminine always being the left, the maternal and the masculine on the right, which is also crazy since that's what we are taught energetically. Um, and the mom kind of runs the show, which is typical to what happens down here. So what happens in that sense though, if, I mean, if let's say someone had a horrible relationship with their mom, like horrific, like just did not get along till the day they passed, still have not forgiven, have not gotten to that place. What, what does that look like? Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever seen that? I have. And I get asked that question frequently. And somebody will say, oh, my mom was just a bitch from hell. She is <laughs> the last person I would want running the show when I'm dying. All spirits are pure love, Del. The personality profile, the personality traits 
of all of us stay with the body when somebody dies. That's the role that we're playing in this lifetime. It's like we're all actors in a play. So the mom that was the bitch from hell when she was alive is pure love and pure fun and pure joy. And they're running the show. I found that really interesting because I saw it for the first time with my own mother when she was dying in 2002. And my Mima had just passed six months earlier and she was running the show and she didn't even look at any of us. We were in the room. I, I was her favorite. I'm named for her. My siblings will tell you, my cousins will tell you, she did no more pay attention to me than, you know, not even for a nanosecond. She was laser focused on my mom. I think it's interesting too. You talk about the left side versus the right side. The left side's the feminine, the right side's the masculine. Where I picked that up was studying Kabbalistic healing for three years. So that's ancient Jewish mysticism that is for at the forefront of a lot of this stuff that I see, which tells me that people have been able to see this throughout humankind. And perhaps as we've become more well-educated, we have uh, become more proof-based and we want to see proof of something before we can even grasp with the fact that it could be feasible. So I think we go back to the beginning of time and I think people have been able to see this. I don't think, I believe mm -hmm. people have been able to see this. I mean, look what you teach for heaven's sakes. It's ancient. That that precedes all of the cultures in the, you know, the spiritual stuff is the shaman stuff is all very ancient. So yeah, the mother runs the show, the mother spirit. If the mother's still alive, it's going to be always on the maternal line. The maternal grandmother, if she's still alive, it's going to be her mother. And it's fascinating to watch that. I really thought maybe God would have air traffic control, an <laughs> aircraft control department or something, or it would be the person's guardian angel, which by the way, they keep throughout all their lifetimes, I've learned. Oh, so it's the and, same. Well, I'm going to ask you about guardian angels. We'll get to that. Keep going. Yeah. So it's the mother spirit that runs it. She calls in the angels. She's the one that shows up first. And then lots of deceased loved ones and friends and family and from all lifetimes. And they show up in period attire. So I'll see people from the Renaissance or like somebody from the 1960s with a miniskirt and go-go boots on. It's a riot to see them. So it's just a reminder that you do kind of travel in like a spirit family or a spirit pack. So a lot of these people coming in, let's say it was me passing, I may not in this physical incarnation even know who that person is, but four lifetimes ago, maybe that was my best friend or my mom or whatever. Or is the that, butcher or, or the, right. somebody that you walked by on the street in town when you were going in to buy flour and sugar or, or whatever. It's thousands and thousands of spirits. There's so many spirits tell that they look like dots on the horizon mm. to me. It and, made me. And it's like the room, the walls in the room go away. You got the person who's dying and then all these spirits and all these pets. And it's really fun with the pets because I can identify what the pets look like. And I'll sometimes I'll say, did your grandmother grow up on a farm? <laughs> there are horses and chicks and ducks and pigs and cows and stuff like that in here. But I mean, it made me when I was reading that, it made me take a beat of just a reminder of how precious every moment 
in life really is. Because when you think like some of these people who are showing up for you, these spirits that are showing up for you in the passing because of a connection that, like you said, could have been you were walking down the street, you know, and maybe that's someone you buy sugar from. But it's a reminder that the small moments can be very big things. Well, everybody that we encounter in a lifetime, everybody is a soulmate. It's not necessarily a romantic soulmate, but it's a soulmate. The checkout clerk at the grocery store that you meet one time when you're checking out your groceries, that's a soulmate. The person that you sit next to on a plane when you're flying somewhere and you don't even talk to them, you don't know them, you do, you'll never see them again. That's a soulmate. We're all soulmates. Mm -hmm. We're all one out of the same source. We all have a speck of the divine in us. And when we're in human reality, we perceive us as separate. When we're in spirit form, we perceive that everything is all one is kind of my take on it. And which is so beautiful. And, and by the way, and you mentioned this in the book too, this idea that so nobody's ever dying alone. Like even no. if someone is a, physically alone in this realm, they're surrounded already by their family members, angels, which begged the question, I had a few. We'll get to kind of the funny one. So hopefully your mind is blown, just like mine is when I talk to Julie, um, because on March 4th, we have a workshop for you. It is virtual, so you can do it from anywhere. If you cannot make it in person or well, online in person, it's always recorded for you later. It is at noon Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so whatever that is for you in between on denmeditation.com. And it's medical intuition and energy healing. You guys, I've had an appointment with her. She's amazing. She will scan you. She tells you what's wrong. She corrects things. It, you do not want to miss it. She will teach you how to do stuff for yourself as well. Um, it's incredible. She's unbelievable. And you can also ask her questions if you have questions about anything else. That's what's so beautiful about these virtual workshops. So again, don't miss it. It's March 4th. Now, because you listen to Den Talks podcast and we love you, you can use the code ANGELS and you get 20% off when you buy it. So don't forget to type in ANGELS, all capital letters, and get 20% off. talk about how spouses show up and yeah. they come in order of time. Right. Now, is it always, is, is, right. Is it always that way? What if like the first spouse was the longest and the love of their life, but then they died and the other ones have been great, but never it's, it's always an order of time. It is it, my perception of it. And I think it's because we're all playing a role in this lifetime. And I think of Zsa Gabor, how many husbands does she have about 14 or something? I think. <laughs> Some of you who don't know who she is, she is she was a Hungarian actress who just each time she got married, she married somebody wealthier and wealthier and wealthier. I mean, amazing. And, and so her most recent husband's spirit will be there first. So they're southeast of the mother spirit, if you can imagine that, as you're looking at the person who's dying. And then the husband that came before him would be next to him. And then the husband that came before this, the second and last husband would be next to him. That's how I see it out into the distance. I mean, and it's, it's a riot. I was yeah, going to say really my funny. entertainment brain, my old comedy development brain goes to like, someone needs to create a oh, scene yeah. because it's so funny. You could just see them all being like, oh, 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 like <laughs> even though I know, I know that's not what happens because they're all living in like love and at that point, but it, it's such a funny idea. Um, what about partners that aren't actually spouses? Is it just whatever is considered like the deep partner gets in line? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I, at this point, I don't know that I've seen somebody who, 
That's a really good question. I got a yes in my head when you asked that question. I don't know that I've scanned somebody dying who had a partner that wasn't a spouse. Hmm. So, but I get a yes, that it would be the same thing. It would be the same sequence with that. I do get though, that if there's spouses and I'm getting, when I say get, I'm getting divine, I call them divine downloads. I get information mm -hmm. coming into my head as we're talking and I'm getting information that's coming in. And what I get is that, in, in, and I'll expand on this in a second, if it's a spouse, they have more of a position of honor as we perceive it in the human world than somebody who's a partner. Here's why, why I think this is the case. Jewish weddings, they use a chuppah, back to the Jews, knew what in the heck was going on. Ancient culture, right? The chuppah is a, you explain it, it's a cloth or it's a gazebo, or it's some kind of a dome that the bride and groom stand under when they're being married, right? For yep. the ceremony. Is that a good way to explain Perfect. it? Perfect. Yep. Okay. It's like when I see somebody getting married, and, and now in present day can be, it can be this thing of flowers in a arch, or it can be whatever, but they're always standing under something which represents the chuppah. And the the interesting thing about this tell is when somebody gets married, I see a dome of energy, a brilliant white dome of energy come down over the couple that's getting married, hmm. which I think has developed into what the Catholics call a sacrament where you get special graces, special energy. And I think in this day and age, when a lot of people don't get married, they don't receive that same energy that comes down that we see in the marriage ceremony. And it doesn't matter where someone's getting married in the courthouse, in a field, in a church, in a temple, wherever, it doesn't matter. I always see that dome of energy. It reminds me, I have my Mima's mantle clock. That's probably from maybe the early 1900s and the inner workings of the clock you can see, but there's this glass dome that goes on top of it, it stands like maybe 10 inches tall and I have it in a guest room and it reminds me of that dome and, and it, which reminds me of the chuppah at a Jewish wedding. Hmm. So there's something special about the spouse that is, and, and I see that it's the, the parents are at, are at the person's who's dying's feet. They anchor this group of angels that I'm sure we'll get into in a minute. And then the most recent, relatives are behind them. And then the further out relatives and friends go behind them. So there is a sequence that I see. Is that how it really happens? That's how it appears to me. And I've seen it thousands of times. One other thing that I think is really important to mention is everybody goes through what I call the 12 phases of transition, which is this sequence of events that we're starting to talk about with angels and deceased loved ones and the spirits of deceased pets regardless of whether they die instantly, like in the case of a homicide or suicide, or whether they die over a prolonged period of time, days, weeks, months, even years, doesn't matter because time doesn't exist in the spirit world. Time is a human creation. So two years in the spirit world is not even a blip on mm -hmm. the radar screen. 
1,500 lives of 100 years apiece may not even be a blip on the radar screen as we perceive it, because time isn't a thing in the spirit world. I'm told that over and over and over again. I know, because that is really interesting, because when you read this, you, you you kind of go to this idea of, well, what happens if someone's in a car accident and they die on site? You know, it's like, it's those feelings of how do they get this kind of ceremony, um, this right. sequence. There's a beam of light coming in behind you. <laughs> Can you see that? Yes. Right when we're talking about this. And look at that beam that's going down in front of you. That's like God going, yep, you're on it, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> We're spreading it. We're spreading We're it. We're spreading it. That's right. Um, yeah. So it is interesting that something that sudden has, you know, it, it's just always fascinating, which brings me kind of to the guardian angels. And then we'll talk about, I guess my big question of all of this, which I was like, oh, this is fascinating. Because one of the things that stood out to me because you said all the relatives, all the families, and then angels is this idea, which I'd love for you to expand on this idea that people, when they go to the next, you know, we, when we go to the, to the spirit world are not angels. So it's two separate things. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. It's like comparing a dandelion and a schnauzer, <laughs> different species. <laughs> Angels are angels. Are we the schnauzers? Humans are humans and pets are pets. Yeah. People say, well, my so-and-so died and now I have an angel, an extra angel in heaven. Well, that's a matter of speech. That's verbiage you can use, but you have a spirit in heaven who's there advocating for you and guiding you. But angels are angels. Deceased loved ones are you know, human spirits that are just in non-physical. And is it just, and angels are always angels. Like does, yeah. does anything ever like converge, change, shift? Well, I think the preacher's wife with Whitney Houston and Denzel Washington. Have you ever seen that movie? Where, oh my God, I have to remember this. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's great. The music is so good. Cicely Tyson's in it. Penny Marshall directed it. It's yep. fabulous. Watch it sometime if you have the opportunity. It uh, In there, Denzel plays an angel and he comes down and he assumes a human form to help Whitney get through a tough period of time because she's a preacher's wife. And Angels, we hear all the time of somebody saying, I I could have gotten killed because I stepped out into the street and this person pulled me back. This man pulled me back and got me out of the way of the car that would have killed me had I gotten hit or the truck or whatever. And then I went to go find this guy and thank him and he was nowhere to be found and nobody ever saw him. So is that an angel assuming a human form to help? save that person? Absolutely. I believe that. Or you hear about a mom whose child is pinned under a car and she's able to lift the car to get her child out from underneath it. Well, cars weigh thousands of pounds. How's this woman going to lift a car? But it happens. And I believe that those are, are angels that are there helping, some of whom maybe will appear in a human form for that instance to do that. So now I have so many questions about this because we're going to get to garden angels in a second. Do angels have, because one of the interesting things when you talk about kind of these steps um, is how there's two angels on the side flapping their wings and they really create kind of the vortex of energy that ultimately 
helps, you know, the soul's already, the spirit's already on top of their own body, but it like finally allows them to like detach and let go. Um, and then there's other ones kind of doing, you know, different doing, do they all have different role? Is it almost like, are there jobs that these angels have? Are there different roles? Can they, do they get promoted? Do they shift? Do they change? Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Yeah. Great question. I find that the guardian angel is normally next to the mother spirit. And, and again, we keep the same guardian angel throughout all of our lifetimes. And even when we're in non-physical, when we're in heaven, which is a consciousness, it's not necessarily a place as I understand it. Uh, and so different angels have different roles. Yes. When they're brought in, especially in the dying process. <laughs> and the funny thing is I see these angels. So the body exits, the spirit exits the body out through the top of the head. You mentioned that before I see the same thing and it, it hangs, hangs on to the top of the head in a bubble configuration. It reminds me of the cartoon caption bubble mm -hmm. that you'll see or a speech bubble. That's what it looks like. And then about halfway through the 12 phases of transition, about phase five or so, there are these two additional angels that show up on there on either side of the spirit bubble <laughs> and their wings start to move and it creates a vortex, which helps the spirit separate from the body. The spirit is the power source for the body as I perceive it. I was taught that the spirit or the soul is someplace in the chest area. And that's not my perspective of it or my perception of it at this point, Tal. What I perceive is that the spirit's the main part of us and the body's inside the spirit. It's all holographic. Mm. And then it's, it's contained in what I call the energy field membrane, which is a Imagine a plastic bag that feels really thin, like saran wrap that you get on a tray of chicken breasts from the grocery store. You know how that stuff's thinner and stretchier than the glad wrap, perhaps, that's in a box in our kitchen drawers. Mm -hmm. And and so that's if we're going to use energy for a specific purpose, like powering a body, it needs to be in some kind of a container similar to electricity coming into our homes is contained in a wire water or natural gas coming into our homes is contained in a pipe because it's going to be used for a specific purpose. So yeah, these angels are, are really interesting with the roles that they have. Most of them in the dying process are just there and they're anchoring what's happening. I, it's important to note too, I think that I see angels looking like how they're depicted in Western culture big angels, big wings, white gown, belted at the waist with a rope. <laughs> Is that what angels really look like? Well, that's how they appear to me because I went through 12 years of Catholic schools and I was taught that's how angels look with the statues and the paintings and the pictures and stuff. Somebody who grows up in an indigenous culture may see angel energy as a blob of purple energy, something completely different. But spirit's always going to communicate with us in a way that it's going to make sense to us based on our human frame of reference. And then furthermore, based on our frame of reference from what we've experienced in our lifetime. So I kind of went down a rabbit hole there, but there are two angels that show up on either side of this spirit bubble and halfway through about, well, about phase nine, their wings start to move and they create this vortex. <laughs> and funny story. When I was writing the book, my son, who is uh, in the entertainment business too. And he, 
I told him, I said, I'm going to call it angelic uh, escorts. <laughs> he goes, Mom, that sounds like a, like a call girl service. You can't call it that. But, <laughs> but that's really what happens is they escort it. They're, we're all escorted to heaven by angels. And it's, it's really amazing. May I talk about the vortex that forms for a second? Please. The vortex that form is really powerful. And it looks like a tornado, like a funnel cloud. And it reminds me of being in the car wash when you're driving, when you stay in the car and you're, you're going through all the suds and all that stuff. And at the end, after your car has been rinsed, they turn on the dryer and the dryer <laughs> sucking all the water off your car. Yep. I hear that noise. It feels like it. I can feel the upward pull. It's like it's sucking. It has a sucking um, situation. And and the interesting thing about that is I thought, wow, this just kind of reminds me of a giant owl. Because if you've ever seen a documentary or or any kind of movie on owls, they're very silent. They fly, they get this huge wingspan. Their wings, it's like they have this slow rhythmic motion that's silent that creates this enormous drag that allows them to fly. And I thought, oh my God, these angel wings remind me of these giant owls. So when I was writing the book tell, I just did a search on the internet, owl wings vortex. Come to find out there's this thing called the wingtip vortex. Oh, wow. That happens with anything that flies. There's, there's unlimited aeronautical engineering drawings and articles and pictures and stuff like that. Everything that flies, whether it be a plane, a jet, a kite, a bird, a bug, there's a wingtip vortex underneath it that causes lift. And I thought, how extraordinary. Here's this phenomenon from the spirit world with these angel wings moving, causing these, this vortex to form, which causes lift and helps the spirit separate from the body. I mean, so I love it when science catches up with woo woo, don't you? And it's usually science catching up, which is fascinating. Exactly. Woo woo's <laughs> been around much longer. Yes. And it's, it's, they always think woo woo is crazy, but then eventually they get to something that's already been always talked about. Exactly. So let's talk about the guardian. Is it guardian in, in your experience? Is it one angel or two? Because I've heard different things. I hear one guardian angel that stays with us throughout all of our lifetimes, and they're kind of like the, captain of our, of our journey. They're, they're the, they're the love boat captain, you know, they're the cruise ship captain and they bring in other angels when necessary for assistance, whether those angels appear like angels, wings, white gown, that kind of thing, or whether they appear in a different form is predicated on what's going on at any given moment. Do you ever communicate with your guardian angel? Not very often. No, I more so with my main spirit guide, who's a dead Pope. May I tell that story? Please do, because I have a question for him. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> and that's the thing is that this is all so much fun because spirit is pure love. It's joy. It's fun. You're supposed to have fun with this stuff. I think some people are so serious about all this spirit stuff. Oh, please lighten up. You right. know, it's supposed to be fun. <laughs> so like I'm with my mentor years ago and I, when she's doing a healing on me, 
I'm laying face up on a massage table. I got a blankie on me. I'm all cozy. <laughs> and my she's doing energetic healing on me. And my deceased loved ones line the sides of the table. And I can see them. They look like holograms of what they looked like when they were alive. So I can understand who they are. They're going to show up in a way that I'm going to recognize who they are. Even my deceased dog's spirit's there. Sometimes she puts her paws up on the oh. table, which is hilarious. So one day, tell this dead Pope spirit shows up, got the Pope hat on, a pointy hat, you know, the vestments, the whole nine yards. And I said to him, well, who are you? And he said, I'm Clement. And I said, I never heard of a Pope Clement. And he laughed and he said, well, I was number six. I said, Okay. How may I help you? Kind of like, why are you here? <laughs> and he said, you're supposed to teach the world what happens when somebody dies. And I immediately said, I'm not doing that. I'm a businesswoman. People are going to think <laughs> I'm nuts. That's not happening. And he said, yeah, 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 whatever. Everything you've done in your, your life and your career has prepared you for this. So just get on with it. By this time, my mother had been dead a couple of years. I'd seen the same 12 phases, what I now call the 12 phases of transition happen with others that were dying. And he said, yeah, yeah, just get on with it because it's been so bastardized throughout all the years and people are afraid to die because it's just been twisted, basically my word. Mm -hmm. Fine. I leave and I get in my car. He, then he leaves, Pope Clement leaves, and then I leave and get in my car to go home. And I just for kicks, I looked up Pope Clement VI on my phone. Come to find out this guy was in office during the Black Plague when two-thirds of Europe died. And he's best known for his prayers for the dying and his prayers for the dead. And I thought, Ryan, you just can't make that up. No. I never heard of him. And here's this guy. And he and I go back and forth. We debate things. I mean, I argue with this early on. I don't so much anymore because <laughs> he's been around for gosh, a good 10 years easily. And he always has his Pope hat on. And I laugh and I say, you don't have to wear the hat, Clement. I know who you are. And he <laughs> says, it's just what I do, which is hysterical. <laughs> but he'll, early on, he would say, okay, do this and this. And, and uh, I'd say, I, I can't do that for a number of reasons. Here's why. This, 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 this. He's like, yeah, just do it. Treats me like a Nike ad. Well, I somehow do it. He's always right. Of course, he's a spirit. He has he has access to universal intelligence. And I kind of figured out, okay, I don't need to debate with this guy. He's leading me and and but we laugh a lot when we have conversations. What was and his I'll pull take, him in? What was his take on COVID? Since he was kind of part of the plague, like what was his take on Yeah, I I actually wrote a blog on this. Oh. And and he, I, I don't remember verbatim what all he said. I'd have to go reread it and see what he said. But I do know that he, yeah, he was in office during that time. And he blessed the the um, the Rhone River because they were having so many people die that they were throwing bodies in the river because they couldn't dispose of them. And so he blessed the river so that it would be a sacred burial for these bodies. And they let them wash out to sea. But basically, it, it was that that fear was the biggest issue with all of it, with the COVID thing, and that it was a very different situation than what happened during the Black Plague. So interesting. That it was, you know, we, well, of course, it's going to be different mm -hmm. because we have all different. this new technology yes. and stuff. And, you know, we're kept in fear all the time. If you watch the news or you're 
mm-hmm. paying attention to anything on social media. Well, it's all about clickbait. That's what I tell people. It it's all is. about the ad dollars. It is you all know, about. The more eyeballs they can get watching something because people are in fear, the more they can charge for the ads. It's all about their revenue. Now, speaking of popes, you kind of, when John Paul, um, when Pope John Paul II passed, you kind yeah. of rewound to see, you know, you went backwards to see what his actual passing was while you were, before you watched the funeral. Um, and one of the things that really stood out and that was so different about that was just a, the sheer amount of angels that showed up, but also they were versus just being there and anchoring and standing and helping. They were like bowing in reverence, if I remember right. correctly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do you feel like that was because he was among them, like doing a human incarnation and they, and like what talk about a little bit of how it's interesting that I don't want to say levels. Cause I hate that idea that we're all at different levels. Um, but there are different versions of, you know, if you've been doing this for a long time, it seems like there's different things that happen and different respect and relationships that are created in the spirit world. Mm-hmm. Great question. He, yes, there were, a ton of angels around him. <clears throat> Excuse me. When he was dying, I did an instant replay. Like if you're watching a football game and they'll do an instant replay of the touchdown, mm-hmm. like I could do instant replay because time doesn't exist in the spirit world, right? You can go frontwards, backwards, whatever. And so I remember thinking when I was watching, I thought, wow, this guy's either some kind of prophet or saint or there's something because I've never seen anything like it since I've, since I scanned him at the time of his death and sure enough, what they do, they made him a saint. So this was 15 years, 20 years before he was canonized and, and it it was a reverence thing. So I think he was a very evolved soul who came in to teach. And we have many prophets that have come in, in all cultures throughout the ages. Interestingly enough, though, I talk about in the book about my mother when she was dying, was wrapped in these two inch thick, wide, I would say, strips, white strips of linen. And I thought, all right, what's this? Kind of like a mummy. Picture a mummy. It's almost Halloween. You know, (laughs) we'll see some mummies here probably Tuesday night. And, And as she was getting closer and closer to death, I watched her get wrapped more of her body was actually being wrapped. I've only seen that one other time. Mm. And it was with a nun who I was scanning. And I didn't really even know her very well. I had met her on a couple of occasions, but it was with her. I did not see that with John Paul II. That's interesting. And what I was told, and that would be somebody I would expect to see that. My mother was a principal of a Catholic grade school. And yeah, you know, I mean, she was my mom, so I don't know that she was that holy. I think she had a great belief in God and a lot of trust and all of that. But what I was told by spirit when it was happening was it was a it was a very reverent kind of an honor that was bestowed on people who really participated in enlightening people and changing the world. Hmm. And I thought, okay, well, yeah, she was there 20 years. She affected a lot of kids and then they infected, they affected their family. So I thought that's what it was. Just recently though, somebody submitted a question online and I answered it in my blog. And what I got from it, Tal, is 
the significant thing that she did was she allowed me to see what was happening when she was dying because she knew that I was going to spread this around the world. And I have been for the last five or six years and will continue to do so. That's the most profound thing that she did because she mm. died 10 minutes before the rest of the family got there. I spent the night with her and I talk about that in the book and the nurses and doctors were saying, oh, she's going to last a couple of weeks. And I'm going, yeah, not based on what I'm seeing. And I had never seen the 12 phases before, but she allowed me to go through that with her because she knew I could see it. And at some, there's some semblance of she knew that this was going to be spread globally and educate a lot of people. It was your mom's like final gift. It was my mom. So yeah. that was her big contribution that just came to me in the past few months. Mm. And I, and I had that light bulb moment and I thought, Oh my goodness, how about that? And always a reminder of how connected our lineage, you realize also through this conversation and through the book, how important lineage is. And I don't mean like, what's your breeding, but I mean, just the spiritual lineage and the ancestral, you know, there's always ancestral work and I think we all put it off, but it is so important. Like even it's just, you realize it's just connected in a deeper way. And, and that our loved ones are all around us At all, all the time. Mm -hmm. And if we want to talk to them or communicate with them, we can, everybody does. We're just not aware of it. So you just think of them. They immediately come in, you say something to them. It's going to be the first thing that comes in your head as fast as you can snap your fingers or before within a second. And that's going to be your loved one communicating with you. We've all had the experience tell where we think of somebody and then all of a sudden we run into them or we get a text or an email or a call from them and we say, oh my gosh, what a coincidence. I was just thinking of you. There's no coincidence there. That's your intuitive skills at play. I and we all do it. We do all We're do it. We're just not cognizant of it. And I do appreciate when you say that, because I say that in my classes too, whenever I do like either journeys and I say, first thing that comes in your mind, like, do not question it, do not change it. Don't try and make it more poetic. Don't try and make it more, you know, amazing or whatever you think it is, whatever that first thing is, that is the information. And the better you get at trusting that, which we, most of us have a lot of work to do. Hello, just a quick reminder that denmeditation.com is constantly offering you so many ways to go deeper. So if you have any curiosity to get certified or just take a course to learn more, we have it. So things coming up that I want to make you guys aware of is we have Reiki level one. So many people always want to be certified in Reiki or they just want to learn how to do it. That is February 25th and 26th. It is a two day level one certification. It is amazing. And again, this is all online, but live virtual. So you have access to your teacher. You ask questions. It is phenomenal. We also have tarot. Who doesn't want to learn to read tarot? Starting March 20th, that is an 11-week course. It is on Monday nights, Tarot 101. Again, online, so wherever you live, you get access and you can do this. So there's no excuses anymore. So go to denmeditation.com. Check out all of the stuff we have. And if for some reason you're listening to this at a much later date and these do not apply to you. There are tons of certifications and courses always coming down the pike. So you have, you have a, a show, a syndicated talk show where people call in with questions. Right. Do you find that sometimes some people don't ask the actual question they really want to ask? So they're asking something else? No. 
I don't. It's, it's, we'll film it this evening. We do live to tape and, uh, and it goes into national syndication next week. Actually, thank you for mentioning that. It's a podcast. It's on YouTube, all of that. And it's, it's on the radio too. And so it'll be all over the radio now on talk station. Amazing. And the, what I find is that it's a blast because it's a big old crapshoot. I never know who's going to call. I never know what they're going to ask. It's, a lot of it's medical, you know, this hurt, that hurts. I've got this symptom. I've been to 10 doctors. Can you scan it? See what's going on? Pet questions. It's, can I talk to my deceased loved one? How close to death is somebody? Can we do a past life thing? And then spirit guides and angels and stuff like that. So it's really fun. It's different every time. It's very fast paced. There was, but no, I haven't experienced that. There was one woman who called in maybe a few weeks ago. I don't remember too. I don't remember where it was. And she was asking about her cat. She felt like she was passing and was just really kept pushing about her cat and what to do with her, cat, yeah. which I understood. But my instinct was like, is she really tr hoping that you'll just verify if she's passing or not? Like I kept, my instinct was she was hoping you would say either you are passing and this is when, so get it done by this day, or you have more time than you think. Like I kept feeling like that's what she really wanted to know, but instead was trying to use the cat to get the information. And I found it fascinating because at one point you even said, why do you think you're passing? But you are really good about holding this boundary of like, I'm answer I'm only answering the question that has been asked, which I found I fascinating. Did, I do remember that caller and I thought the same thing mm. that you just mentioned. I thought, eh, she's, she's interested in herself, but she kept coming back to the cat. And so exactly, I honored what her question was because obviously that was a, concern of hers that I felt badly for that she was alone. She oh, didn't have anybody there to help her. Me too. I even had some people leave comments on my social media channels or on and or on the um, show saying, oh, if I could just hug, I think her name was Marilyn or Meredith or something like that. And she sounded like she was older and she was concerned about this cat. And I said, you don't have anybody that can take care of her. And she said, no, and she's a handful. Like that yeah, was yes. a handful. She goes, it's so she's I, or something. Yes. What I was getting from spirit was let's get her in touch with a cat rescue in the area and call the, the shelters and they'll have information on that. So yeah. yeah. And the show goes so fast and I'm trying to get a bunch of people on. So I don't have time to really delve into that. If it was a private consult and I had her for an hour, we could have gotten into that, but I'm, I want to try and get as many people on and get their questions answered as, as quickly and, and efficiently as I can. Well, look, and you're right on the show, you get a lot. It's one of the reasons I got in touch with you because I was having, and still like going through it, having health issues and joint pain. And, and it is really incredible what you do, like how you can scan someone and in seconds, you're like this. And then how you go from like one of the things because people, everyone here knows when I went through COVID, I had major ear issues as well. So it was like everything kind of piling up between the joint pain and the tinnitus. And one of the interesting things you said to me, because I was looking back in my notes before we spoke, which you were scanning and you were doing everything from like what arthritis looks like to what inflammation looks like to what yeast, mold, all of it. Um, but you were clearing out my ears and you said, huh. I've actually never seen this before, which I always find interesting because you do it a million times where you were like, there's, 
like rough, almost like sand in your eustachian tube, not sand, like it was like rough and hard rocks. You were like in your eustachian tube. You're like, I've never seen that before. You're like, but okay, I'm going to bring in the guides and we're going to like clean out as much as we can. It's how often, like, do you find stuff like that where you're like, that is so unique or something different? Oh, every week, multiple times a week. And I scan medically easily 3000 people a year. Easily. I have scanned tens of thousands of people. So that appeals to my inventor brain. I'm going, oh, cool. This is cool. I haven't seen this before. Yes. I did, I started this thing this week uh, called Ask Julie Ryan Live. And on the fourth Tuesday of each month, I do a two-hour live and, and you can join us and it's 25 bucks. And I... <laughs> marketing it is it's kind of like a woo-woo slumber party did you ever go to a slumber party as a kid where you tried to get your friend to levitate or you yes, tried to use a ouija, ouija board, board yes. and talk to spirits yeah yeah and so it was a blast we did the first one on on tuesday night and there was a healing that happened where a woman's sister had had a stroke towel and the whole right side of her body was paralyzed. And this woman had maybe a toddler and a three-year-old. Oh. She had little children. And so what I watched happen was imagine that her body was, was made out of jello. I watched her body get sliced in half vertically. And then I watched stem cell energy come in and reform her body on the right side that was removed. And when I watched stem cell energy regenerate a body part, if it's an organ or like half of a body. That's the first time I've ever seen it. It's almost like there's a template made out of that energy filled membrane material, that really thin, stretchy saran wrap kind of a material. And it reminds me of a mold, plastics mold, jello mold. And so stem cell energy looks like a light amber colored gel, has sparkles in it because it's woo-woo, got to have sparkles. <laughs> and and it, it's got a watery consistency to it. So it reminds me of this hair gel when I was a kid called Dippity Doo. And young women will say, well, I'm not familiar with that. I'll say, look it up. And they'll send me the commercials from the 60s or 70s. It's hysterical. But then there's a vortex that forms and that transforms the stem cell energy into whatever body part we need. And the interesting thing about that is from a human perspective, from a biology perspective, if you go back to your grade school biology lessons, every cell has a nucleus. Every nucleus is surrounded by cytoplasm, like dippity-doo hair gel. And our bodies have a centrifugal force that spins that causes our cells to divide and replicate to the tune of billions of them a day. I believe in this healing. I'm watching that same thing happen just in warp speed. And sometimes there are organs that show up on subsequent scans and it freaks out the doctors. It's a riot when that happens. And I've had doctors throughout the years call me and say, uh, what are you doing and how does this stuff work? And so when we were doing this healing on the Ask Julie Ryan Live, and what I do is I pick people to ask a question on the live event, it's on Zoom, and then I give away prizes too, because it's supposed to be fun. It's a party, right? So you got to have prizes that <laughs> give to the people coming to the party. And, and so there were angels that showed up. I mean, actual angels were above this healing, which I never see ever. And these were big angels and they showed up and they were there. They, they were present. They weren't necessarily, from what I could tell, doing much, but they didn't have to. Just their presence there 
I was in tears. A lot of the wow. people that were on the call were in tears. I've gotten many emails from attendees saying, oh my God, that healing was amazing. And I think that, I don't think, I believe that when I'm working on somebody, I have all of spirit. God, the angels, the deceased loved ones, the spirit guides, the, you know, the whole group that are working through me and with me to help facilitate healing. And in this instance, for some reason, these angels were present as well. And I believe that it was because of all of the combined energy of everybody that mm. was on that Zoom call. And they were supposed to show up to make it not only help with the healing, but also to make it a more extraordinary uh, event, more extraordinary experience for all the people that were participating. Do you feel as if angels are, because I'll tell you a similar story that happened to me this weekend. Do you feel like angels are making themselves more, like because of what everything that's going on in the world right now, do you feel like they're, with lack of a better word, descending more or trying to be more present? Because it was interesting. I was teaching a class on Sunday and I called in ancestors for just a short amount of time. The class was not about that. And we were doing a ton of other stuff, but for a short amount of time in a meditation, I had everyone kind of call in their ancestors. And then at the end, when we were all chanting, um, I all of a sudden realized and same thing, I started crying that the entire room was just packed with all the ancestors and like yeah. the energy. And I started crying because it was so overwhelming in one of the most beautiful ways. And then same thing when I had everyone lie down um, for Shavasana, I didn't say anything to them, but I'm like, Ooh, you guys are all getting healings by these. And so like, it was really nice. I watched them yeah. all yeah. get healings and, um, and it was so powerful. And it was the same thing mm -hmm. where I was like, wow, where did that come from? And it, 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 I don't know. And it's like, is there something going on where, you know, I don't know. Talk to me. What are I your thoughts? I think they were showing up in your situation and in mine so that we could describe it to all of the attendees. Mm. I think they're there all the time, but they showed up in a way that we could convey it where it gave them more of an amazing experience mm. with that, because that's not, it's not something that's expected. It was kind of like an extra added bonus mm -hmm. that nobody expected, including yourself me. and me. I didn't right. expect it either. Yeah. Same thing. But I think too, that as far as with all the stuff going on in the world, people say to me, I've never seen the country so divided. I think our country's just a mess. And blah, 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 blah. Everybody's so divided and, and, and we're not unified and and, and they'll ask me about that. I'll say, have you ever heard of the civil war? <laughs> Do you think we're more divided than we were during the civil war? I don't think so. Did you ever hear about any of these other wars that have happened throughout history? No, it's all about the same. It's just that we hear about it 24 seven because of social media and the news. We have the technology now that we can plug into things all around the world that are happening. And we just hear about them more often. So I tell people when they get all stressed out about how we're so divided and everything's all about it, I go, turn off the damn news. <laughs> just don't watch it because your life's going to continue to go just fine and you won't be inundated with that. Again, our heads are satellite dishes. The frequency of the information that you're watching is going to be the channel you're on. 
change the channel. I mean, we to talk something about this that's more pleasant all the time. And if if something's happening in a foreign land, certainly we can have compassion for those people. But how's it affecting our life right now at this moment? It's not. It's not. So all we can do is live moment by moment. And we know when we're in alignment with spirit, when we feel neutral or good, when we feel badly, we want to do a little bit of investigative reporting. And is this a real fear? Is this a fake fear? Well, God bless the people that are in a war area. What do their spirits want to explore and experience? Why Mm. did they choose to be born in that area with those parents into this circumstance? It's benefiting them in some way. We don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to us. But does that affect us right now in our day-to-day life at this moment in time? No. It's so interesting, too. Like when you talk about you have the guardian angel for your entire, you said, lifetime, meaning all the lives you come in, it's the same guardian angel. And in between lifetimes. Yeah. And so what I find fascinating is when you choose to come in as a version of Hitler or Hitler himself, like a really horrible, but that's your choice of expression for that lifetime. You still have a guardian angel over you. Because all spirits are pure love. Yeah. So it's a spirit attached to a body playing a role in a movie or a play. Yeah. To experience and explore. I use lifetimes. I use an analogy. I use analogies a lot, as you know, Mm -hmm. because it gives our human minds a frame of reference for all this woo-woo stuff that we're talking about. And my analogy for past lives, Tal, is if you think about how many times has Hamlet been performed since Shakespeare wrote it in 1602? Who knows? Certainly the same script, different perspective. Where was it performed? In what country? In what language? In what year? What was happening in the world? Who were the actors? Who was the director? Who was the costumer? Whatever. Different perspective of the same script. And what I'll see in lifetimes, subsequent lifetimes, is I'll see a semblance of a main script. Like, I want to teach. Well, there are a bazillion ways that you can teach. You come in and you are a university professor. You come in and you're, you're a yoga teacher. You come in and you're a whatever. And certainly we can explore and experience that different ways to teach within the same lifetime. But each time we have an experience, our spirit expands and we have more of a frame of reference. And every, every person is valuable. Every experience is valuable because it's the only time that will happen ever in eternity. It's the only time that person at that moment in time will experience that experience. And it all contributes to the collective consciousness. I'm getting really woo on you here. No, no, no. I, I talk about this stuff all the time. So you're right on point. Yeah. Um, what I was, what, where my head's going, interestingly, to kind of prove this whole point of like you're saying, and not to prove anything, but you know, we're all light beings. So even the ones who are choosing to have what we perceive as a very negative experience. So whether it be, right. like you said, living in a war-torn country, whether it be being an abuser, being, you know, a murderer, you know, something that we'd be like, <gasps> that's the worst, but it is, you make these choices and chances are when you see like your mom or, or these people who have lived many lifetimes passing, chances are they in different lifetimes have been those versions, which is why they can be so wise and understand 
kind of how the world works in a bigger way because they've played more roles, they've played more parts. So on that note, going into the departing process, into the transformation process of, you know, going, dying and moving into the spiritual world and your people lining up, has there ever been like almost the person's main abuser or mortal enemy in that lifetime being kind of one of the primary people there? Because it's reminding you again, have you ever seen that where, or let's oh, say- yeah. Abusive parents. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. All the time. And, and again, if, you know, if somebody has a snarky relationship with a parent or an, or another loved one and, uh, they don't want them there, well, their spirit is pure love. That mm -hmm. was a role they were playing so that the person who's dying, they can explore and experience what it was like. I had a woman yesterday as a client who, uh, aborted a, a baby at, I think she was, yeah, she's still in first trimester. She was, I forget how many weeks, pretty, pretty far along, but still in the first trimester. And the baby had all these heart defects and stuff. And they said it was just going to be awful. If the baby was born, she would need lots of surgeries and she wouldn't survive more than a couple of weeks and all of that. And the agony of this mother who went through terminating the pregnancy. And we talked about it and I said, Perhaps in a past life, you were a pregnancy that was terminated, either on purpose or miscarried or whatever. And this round, you wanted to understand and experience and explore what it was like to be the mother to, choose. to make that decision. Or perhaps your baby was the mother in a lifetime and your baby wanted to explore and experience what it felt like and what all the nuances were of this. It's kind of like when we're learning to drive a car, Tal. You can read a book, you can watch movies and you, you think, okay, I know how this is going to be, but you don't know until you actually drive the car. It's the same thing. Yeah. We explore and experience things at different, in different lifetimes that we find fascinating. The other thing that I hear all the time and see if you, you concur is spirit tells me that there's no right or wrong, good or bad good or evil in the spirit world. It's just an experience. And that's kind of hard to wrap our human minds around because that's not what we've been taught. And certainly we have good and bad, right and wrong here in human form, because otherwise we'd be killing each other and we wouldn't be able to have the experience. So what do you, what's your take on that? Yeah, no, I concur completely. And I teach about it all the time that when you're actually, when you, we talk about it, like in the shamanic perspective, when you can get to that eagle perspective of where you can see everything from above and you then right. see the whole layout of it. So you're not as concerned with what happened and it's not, well, this is good. This is bad. Things just are, you know, and it's more like the way you can wrap your brain around it is how do you go through like the human brain? How do you go through life understanding that there's factual experiences, but putting the good or the bad or the value system on it is your own stories at play. That's you creating exactly. it around it versus what interpretation. It actually yeah. Your, your, right. your play, like you said. Well, and lawyers do this every day in court, right? They take facts and they spin them to whatever their narrative is, what they're trying to convey. And that may not be what happened, but they're taking those same facts and they're putting a different perspective spin. on it to contribute to whatever it is that they want to accomplish in the courtroom. And when you can start to 
you know, unravel some of your own stories. Like you can unravel some of how you, what your spin has been, which then, as you said, like you have a satellite dish and so you're attracting it. So if you've been creating this spin of a certain way of behavior of what's good and bad, and that's what you've been living life from, you just get trapped a little bit. And it's like when you can start noticing it and kind of unravel from it, I think you experience things in a lighter way. Well, not only that, but our thoughts create our reality, Mm -hmm. number one, to your point. And I think also that when we're in fear, because we're mad at somebody, anything that feels bad is based in fear. When we're in fear, we're in fight or flight. We lose our, our clarity. You know, our cortisol levels go up, our adrenaline surges, the blood drains from our brain goes to our heart and our extremities. So we can run away from that saber tooth tiger it, that's masking as somebody who's verbally abusive. Our body doesn't know the difference. And when we're in fight or flight, we lose our perspective. We lose our clarity. So when we understand that if this isn't going to kill me in the next two minutes, I call it the two minute rule or harm me, then this is a fake fear. And it lessens the fear enough so that we can get a moment of clarity and then move forward out of that. I would also argue that's why your book is very important and what you do is very important because I think there's a deep-seated fear, which I think I said in the beginning of the podcast, of death. And I think it 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 is a fear that wraps us up for our entire lives that you don't realize you're playing out from. So you're not allowing yourself to do certain things or move forward because of this fear of this abstract idea of death. And I think that is one of the reasons I was really excited to have you on here because I think you're kind of demystifying it and allowing people to let go of fear for that is going to lift so much in their lives they don't even realize because they don't realize how much it was actually playing out in a fight or flight mode of this like constant fight or flight that they don't even realize is getting in the way. Well, a couple of points on that. I've never seen St. Peter at the pearly gates with a clipboard going, okay, you're allowed in, you got to go burn. You, <laughs> you got to go burn for eternity. I've never seen that happen. Number one. And number two, my perspective now in seeing this all these thousands and thousands of times is, okay, if the worst thing that can happen to me is I, I'm dying and I'm carried off to heaven by angels, I'm escorted to heaven by angels, and I'm with my deceased loved ones and friends, and that's the worst thing that can happen to me? Okay. That's so bad. To your point, it puts a different perspective on life. And it allows us to just be able to say, yeah, yeah, let's try this. Let's do this. Yeah, let's, you know, within reason, I'm not going to go jump off the Empire State Building without a parachute, but <laughs> you, you, you don't need to get stupid in the meantime, but it's, it, it really does free us up. Well, I mean, honestly, it's a huge gift and I am so grateful for this conversation. I am grateful that our community gets to be introduced to you. Um, And I think what you're doing is so important. And thank you. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. I have a gift for all your listeners. May I share it? Yes, please. Okay. I have props. Angelic attendance. Love it. What really happens as we transition from this life into the next. And then I have three children's books, Angel Messages for Cats, for dogs and for kids and they're darling. They have darling illustrations in them. There's maybe 
15 sentences and they're short ones in the whole, the whole children's books. Anybody that wants one, just go to askjulieryan.com forward. Just go to the Ask Julie tab, askjulieryan.com, Ask Julie tab. Say, hey, I heard you on Tal's show. I'd like a copy of your book. If you have children or grandchildren and you want the children's books, we'll send you those too. And we'll send you a free download of the digital and audio book version as a gift for listening. They're, these books are so cute. I've read um, all that. Well, I read the, the main one's not cute. It's great. But the kids' ones I read with my daughter. And it's such a beautiful way to start talking about just your energetic body in a way that's so easy to comprehend. So she loved them. But we talk woo-woo all the time. So she was super into it. <laughs> she loved it. So thank you. You're amazing. Everyone stay tuned for her personal practice. Um, I'm so grateful to have you on. Hopefully we'll have you on again because I feel like you just have so much to share. Thank you. Sending you lots of love from Sweet Home, Alabama. Okay, now Julie is going to do her personal practice, which she is sharing a technique on how to raise your vibration. So you don't have to be chanting under crystals in a yurk for the next you know, hour in order to connect with spirit. All you have to do is stand in the Superman or the Superwoman pose. Hands on your hips, legs spread apart. Here's the Julie Ryan hack. You envision a geyser of light, geyser of energy coming from the core of the earth, shooting up through the top of your head. And that puts you in the same vibration as spirit. So the interesting thing about this is there's a professor at Harvard named Amy Cuddy, who did research and found that when we stand in the Superman pose for a minute or so, that it raises our feel-good hormones, you know, our brain chemicals, our dopamine, our serotonin, and it lessens our fear and our stress hormones like the the cortisol and all of that. And so there's university-based research about that. My addition is envision the core of the earth coming up through the top, and then you're in alignment with spirit. And people in the entertainment industry, especially on the red carpet, you'll see the women, they're taught to stand in that position. I call it the, the modified uh, sorority girl pose where they'll have one hand on a hip and maybe their legs will be spread apart. And, uh, you know, that gives them confidence and it lessens their stress levels. So you'll never watch the red carpet at a an awards event to, again the same way because everybody does that. But that's a really fast way to get into alignment with spirit. And then remember your head's a big satellite dish. So you just say something either aloud or in your head and spirit's going to answer you. It's going to come in within a second or sooner. And that's going to be spirit talking to you. If you think about it for more than a couple of seconds, that's going to be your brain talking to you. So try it. It works great. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line 
prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.